Hey everybody, this is TA. Welcome back to the Recourse Podcast. This is a bonus episode. I'm so excited. I finally convinced my husband to join me here in the library. We got into the topic of kind of how the podcast started. We get off onto a nice side tangent about public education. I know, it just happened. I don't know. Overall, it was just fun, and I hope you enjoy listening. Um, It's going to be an awkward start, because I always start by asking how how, how we do we know each other? No, we're not covering that here. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do like a meet cute? We're about to have a 17th wedding anniversary in a couple months. And now when that question comes up, I'm like, well, that's old news. <laughs> <laughs> to you, it's old news. To yeah. other people, it's still new. Or not really new, I guess, but... But we don't have a cute meat story or anything like that. Like a, no. oh, we were on a blind date or, no, we were just, your sister was like, hey. Yeah. I mean, what's more interesting is the past since then. That's true. And that's probably more important anyways. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad that you are willing to start doing these bonus episodes with me, though, because I think it'll be a good opportunity to reflect on how we got here, how it's going, and where we're going to go in the future with this podcast. Sure. Or just whatever else is happening in life. Yeah, it's up to you. <laughs> you sound very excited. <laughs> you tell me what you want to talk about, and that's what we'll do. Well, for this first one, I do want to talk about kind of how we got to the place where I started this podcast, because I think that's kind of an interesting and messy story. Well, I mean, how would you describe it to people? I don't know. <laughs> that's well, the I mean, hard part. Why are you doing a podcast? I don't know. No, I do know. I'm. I just think it's such a cool uh, medium in order to have conversations with people, and there's so much that we benefit from in conversation, in authentic, honest conversation. And I think we benefit from also listening to other people's perspectives, and we probably don't do that enough in life anymore. I mean, true, but I mean, let's break it down even simpler than that, right? Okay. The fact is, um. You had a change in career and all this stuff, and you always liked doing this sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that you could sit down, per what you just said, but then, you know, do the tech part of it and do kind of the publishing aspect and some of those social aspects of tech, which is pretty fun for you. Yeah, and you get to be the editor, because I always make you listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the first critic. <laughs> you are. Well, but you're an honest critic. Yeah. And, yeah. Sometimes too honest. <laughs> I always try to be very nice. You do. But, I mean, the fact is you do have a setup now, which is significantly improved from when you started. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been able to work at that together. Mostly you, of course. But uh, we've got some help from some other people that helps with that, too. Yeah. So the long of the short of it in the journey is that, like you said, the career change really helped kind of push me off the cliff. But this is, I feel like, has been a year, like years in the making as in there was a lot of conversation and thought process about what gifts I do have what awesome people are in my life and I had started with a vlog which was kind of like a YouTube channel-y type thing and talking just about whatever was happening in my life that time but it was so self-centered and so driven um it seemed like uh very narcissistically driven and I really didn't like it and then I was also super self-conscious about it and I just kept getting these messages like this isn't right this isn't right this isn't right so I took a break from that for quite a while and because it didn't go well I think I was scared to kind of start the next thing and I think you kind of kept pushing me to be like do it 
or something. Well, I mean, no matter what you're trying to do, you have to try. And you should expect failure a lot. That's no fun. Well, I mean, and it's... I've heard the term fail forward. Yes. You know, what, it's just like you do the next thing and then you do the next thing. And you have, as long as you can have fun with it, that's the point. I mean, and you don't, as long as you also don't put these expectations on, it's got to be this um, amazing, pres- that's not the point. You know, you want to have a nice presentation. You just don't have to get there for, on the first day. Well, what's amazing when you say that is it makes me laugh because I would never in a million years accept our children having that attitude of, oh, well. I'm going to, I'm too scared to, to do it because I'm going to fail or whatever. And we, you having this uh, growth mindset of I'm going to try. And if I don't get it, that still taught me something to try the next thing or whatever. And we push that so much on kids. But as adults, there's some, for some reason we have this idea of like, I should just already, I, I have age and wisdom and experience. I should not fail. I, I don't have uh, the same generosity to the old, to adults as I do to kids. Although I do have more tact. Um, <laughs> with kids, you're like, no, get her done. Get her up moving. And, and yeah, they yeah. need that message. But, you know, with an adult, you you could say that, but it'd be counterproductive mm-hmm. quite a bit. So, you know, trying to find that right message is hard. And I think as an adult, we get so set in our ways and in our mindset. We've been talking a lot about this because some of the podcasts, you and I are big podcast listeners. Like we listen to a lot of different podcasts. <laughs> But one of the ones that I'm currently listening to is dealing with, and this sounds like a really sketchy topic, but um, the whole psilocybin, mushrooms, LSD, and what what social and medical implications those drugs have, legal, illegal, but then also the whole mindset of by taking certain drugs or by taking certain uh, medications your brain can kind of unroot itself from these train tracks that they've been on or these um, blocks that you kind of put up in your pathway. I really like the um, metaphor of the elephant peg. Do you know what that is? No. The elephant peg is where when elephants are young, kids, like baby elephants, they will put um, a chain on their ankle and peg them to the ground. And then they only learn by tugging on it that they only can go in this certain circle. And they end up with that block that by the time they're adults, they don't even need to have the peg in the ground. They won't leave that circle because they have been trained. That's the only space they can so go you're to. Talk, so when you're referring to the drugs, you're talking about those drugs breaking those patterns. Then? Yeah. Like you have any experience that would break those patterns. Now, I'm not saying that's like, no, so I'll do that. I mean, or... people like you always hear Rogan talk about like DMT is another example where it just resets the mindset. Mm-hmm. And especially for these you know, people later in life, not even elderly, but just like 40s, 50s, 60s. And it allows them to see the world for, you know, just a new, from a new perspective. Mm-hmm. But you, you don't need the drugs to do that. In fact, if you're open-minded and willing to just try, and this is part of the fail forward thing, just do different things. You don't have to just go to work every day, go to church on Sunday, you know, it, say you have an interest, go for it. And that's, I mean, that's how you learn and adapt. Yeah. This is the one thing about living right now. It's interesting is like with YouTube, you can preview everything. Well, you can learn so, I mean, so much. You could be like, you don't have to like, okay, back when we were kids, traveling to a new country, like it was kind of crazy. But now there's so much stuff out there that you could just pull up in an instant on your phone. 
and get an idea of what would you be wanting to do well, for travel. Well, even if you whenever. wanted to pick up a craft or some type of uh, hobby or whatever, you'd have to go to the public library to find a book on woodworking or whatever. Or you know, like remember like Bob Velius had the home. What was the show that he was on the? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. This old house, and yes. they had like books of this, like volumes. Like it was almost like encyclopedia versions of all these to how to fix up your home. Well, we all had encyclopedias when we were kids. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying and that, now that we, we don't have any in this house, though. No, we don't. <laughs> in our beautiful library, um, which I reference all the time on our, on the regular podcast, that whenever we do the podcast, we're here in the library, which is my favorite place. No, but house. the point is, is like, it's. Taking both these things, trying new things, evaluating a different mindset, but then that information is there too. So the the risk is less. The, the jump is smaller that yeah. you have to make. Well, and that brings me to we, we. I always say we, and I mean I. I really struggled a lot with kind of the not the purpose of the podcast. I knew what I wanted to do and who I wanted to talk to, or kind of how that was going to play out. But to give it a title and to give it kind of that that extra like PR push of like this is what this is about, so people could know. And you and I just for weeks rambled through things or, you know, ruminated on certain ideas. And I know for you, you're very like, whatever, just pick something. It'll be fine. And but I was like, I wanted to be very purposeful and thoughtful. And and um, when we were uh, coming through it just before the first one was about ready to be published, we had come up with the word uh, recourse. Yeah. You really liked the sound of that one. I don't even know which one of us said it first. I just know. I think I said me. it because it was on my list of ones that I had heard that word and wrote it down of a possible. Because we talked about words similar to that. That's where I yeah. get lost. Um, and for me, yeah, for me, it was not about the definition. Mm-hmm. I, although I, you can see how it would fit. Um, you don't want something crazy uh, to be your title and not make sense at all. But, but recourse is, you know, two syllables and it has a nice kind of inflection to it. Um and then, of course, the, the definition of the word fits. When I, I was well. more concerned about the definition than it sounding good, which I appreciated that it sounded well. But I liked that I also give it a twofold meaning of, you know, recourses to find help and, and hope in situations that, you, you know, you don't have a lot of. And I think that's what these conversations do for some people. But also, if you look at the word literally, which is not true linguistically, but in my brain, it makes sense to recourse or to change path of where you are. Um, you could basically say that was your career. <laughs> yeah, well, or just where I'm at and what we do every day. And if you're not, and to be brave enough to do that all the time, like you said. And I think we, I'm not saying go sell everything and, you know, throw off everything you're doing. But there is so much of, as adults, we get stuck in those patterns, especially with little kids, or especially with careers and things like that. Right. And it's hard leaving the career that I was working in for 15 plus years and um, for those of you who didn't hear that in an earlier podcast, I recently left my job in public education. I um, got into it when we worked overseas. When we lived in Thailand, I started teaching English as a foreign language and then came back to the States and uh, got a master's degree in education and worked for almost 15 years at the same middle school in our hometown. And it was great, but... oh, So how many people have asked... Two things. First of all, like why you left, mm-hmm. and secondly, like because oh, we also pulled Bryn then too. So mm-hmm. like, how have you been answering that, and how's that gone? It's hard because it's not just one thing. Like I kind of wish I had that job leaving experience. You know, like some people who get to be like, well, this happened, and I just well, I, mean, I quit like, and I'm out. I've switched. I've had was it four, five, four companies now. Yeah. And only one of them was really like 
uh, clear voluntary. Like all the rest, rest of the writing was on the wall. Yeah. And well, and you work in a much different profession of you well, get headhunted. It's, it's ex- like it's expected to move around too. A little yeah. Bit. Well, the fact that somebody's gonna email you and be like, "Hey, would you be interested in this job with this much money right. and this opportunity?" And you're going. That doesn't happen in education, <laughs> which is fine. It's a different world. Well, it doesn't happen in most careers. I mean, engineering is a whole other thing, too. So yeah. you get into more of the technical fields, and you're going to see some of that going on. Yeah, and for those who don't know, Matthew works in uh, he works in engineering. Specifically, he's a chemical engineer, process engineer, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, go back to the failing forward thing. I feel like yeah. that's been my last three years at this current position. Yeah, yeah. Where it's just starting to go really well mm-hmm. and this it's been easily the hardest job in my career in terms of f- trying and failing and trying and failing but each time learning something and getting it to be better yeah and that's important i'm gonna go back to your question um how have i been answering that like i said it's not an easy one thing caused me to leave there was a buildup of many things um you know one of the biggest was obviously the pandemic and not that the pandemic was so hard in teaching, which it was. Well, I would never minimize that. I go out of the way to, to tell people the pandemic, it, it may be accelerated. And that's, that's about a, it. I would exactly agree with that. And I think what it really opened the door for my mind is, again, the, and I've been saying this for years, but we're it's not 1950 anymore. And the way that we categorize and mechanically, what do you call that? Machine take through. It's like an assembly line. Yeah kids through school i have always struggled because i taught uh seventh and eighth grade english for years that this kid isn't in seventh grade english this kid should be in this ability level english and it's not because he's 11 yeah teaching that he's by in age is you can see how it's a problem it, well I, I really think it becomes apparent in the middle to high school grades and in the high school and college they do a much better job of they do push pull kids a little bit more but they still there's something about we can't we're still not ready to really open up the door to that. Well, I, it, the bigger thing that you have to deal with is individuals and, and parents that are not willing to cooperate and move. So then you're stuck with the kids that, or families that aren't trying, right? The ones that are really doing excelling, right? And having to this together. part, I feel guilty about because I, it makes me feel like I'm an old curmudgeonly like seasoned teacher where I get like, oh, back in when I first started, blah blah blah. But there is something to be said that. The way that I would be, have been treated as a teacher or even in my end of my career as a media specialist by students, by parents, even by staff members was very different than what I've been dealing with the last couple of years. And in that, I understand times change, the way we need to interact with students changes. But at the same time, there is some commonality of or there needs to be um, a still a leveled ability to be like but if we're not getting to that point how do you well, function there's a whole we're kind of talking around i know um there's a whole social dynamic issue here and you can i don't know if you really want to speak publicly about how this is working with the current social dynamic in school with kids and families not necessarily caring it's just kind of that's what they do versus the ones that are well what trying and i don't know if you and know, i've had this conversation but i was really fascinated by uh last week gretchen whitmer the governor of michigan came out and made a very public declaration that just a psa reminder that the public schools we don't work for you parents like we're not <laughs> like the public schools are not can you imagine businesses that said that right but 
as much as I'm like, there's there's a huge, like, for some people, a huge dissonance in that or a huge, like, spike of, ah, bruh, whatever, however you respond to that comment, there is an element of truth in it. <laughs> like there, there is. I mean, you can't, I mean, but here's the deal. When you go to the dentist, you know, you're, you're t- trusting that dentist to meet know, board certified standards to know, not even necessarily that point but to have the expertise yeah to know what to do right the problem is and you saw this a lot of the stuff is happening in schools there's a lot of stuff parents would obviously disagree with i agree with that and yet at the same time there is um there seems to be a very big public swelling of well i went to school and i know what it should look like or what should be taught. Well, I mean, I, and, and instead of letting also teachers who are, I mean, I have a master's degree in education and was a, you know, leader in the field of my, of, of my specialty. And I'm being told I'm doing something wrong by a parent who has no idea what I'm even teaching. That's where the disconnect for me is. And so I understand as a parent, you need to be involved and you need to know what's being taught and you need to understand and have a voice in that. But you also as a society are placing in charge professionals to make sure that everything is staying up to standard and up to cultural practices and things like that. Let's look at them from another perspective okay. because I mean the district is talking about building these students and the fact is they're some of the strategies they're using you disagree with. Well we talk about SEL right? Yes. We're talking about social emotional learning. There are elements in social emotional learning that I think are stellar Awesome, fantastic, love it. I also think social emotional learning was created for a specific um, group of students, as in the way we kind of look at students is through a framework where we talk about like tier one intervention students are the kids who within maybe in a traditional setting is maybe 1% of your population that need very, very high level um, support. And that could be academic support, emotional, behavioral support, well, SEL support, right? Well, problems at home. Right. Well. Yeah. So when you're taking those SCL, social-emotional learning strategies, and applying it to that group, they can be fantastic. But if you take those same strategies and apply it to your Tier 3 students, and I think I have that backwards, Tier 1 to Tier 3, but to your to your general population or to the 90% of your students. It's demotivating. It is, and it's not it's not what it's meant for. It's basically what we have a tendency to do, and this is what my whole master's thesis was in education, was we have a tendency to try and have everything be a magic bullet, that every systematic intervention that comes out, if I just take it and plug it in at my school, it will solve everything. Um, PBIS, which is a positive behavior intervention system. If I just take that and implement it at my school, everything will be solved. Will it solve some things? Yes. Will it cause problems in other things? Yes. Like, I, I just don't think... Well, this is getting back to my original point, though, mm-hmm. where you could see that these strategies are being implemented and you're not really given the discretion to to do different strategies for different groups of kids. Right. Well, because a lot of it, and I'll just be honest, in education, so if you're a PBIS school... Sometimes you get funding for doing that, or the district is maybe paying for this big system to become to your school. Mm-hmm. Well, then they're going to want it to be implemented in a specific way. They're not going to allow for flexibility in that. And especially if you do it district-wide, which is what our district has done, versus just a school taking out a program and then piecemealing it to appropriate appropriately work within your systems. We are so different, building to building, district to district, state to state. I think people just don't even have a, an understanding of the middle school down the street versus the middle school in the next town. 
they're completely different beasts and you have to put things together that are fit that and we can go back to the business model for that clientele do you like some of these strategies are like overthinking it i mean the fact is some of these kids just need structure in some ways and we're talking we like to throw all these different buzzwords at it yes and we talk about this the pendulum swing of education where we see a pattern so then we try to solve that problem but we go too far in that pattern and then we swing back the other way and I remember when I first started teaching and the teachers that were very disillusioned or that were very disconnected when we would do these kind of new initiatives that's exactly where they were they were kind of in the seat that I'm in now of like no no I remember when we did this 10 years ago it was just called this it was called something else and we tried that and not that it didn't work but we also don't let it filter in the right way or or come all the way through with equity and with, you know, all the way to the point where we see success. And instead we just change it because the next thing comes up or we move on or people didn't like it or we have a switch of staff. And so then. Yeah. I mean, this is where I was kind of leading with staying, staying there's a bit of a social issue with schooling and it's not just public schools. Not at all. And that's where I, I get very, when you say about talking about it in public, the, the one thing that I get really nervous about is I feel very defensive of public schools. I mean, I worked there for so long and I really believe in some of the things that are happening. And I, I believe that there are teachers that are just miracle workers and doing amazing things. And I would never want my leaving to be a reflection on that. But at the same time, well, I'm not wearing rose-colored glasses. Of there, there are things that are of, of frustration and are are needing to be looked at to be fixed. I'm just not going to be able to solve. I know that. that a lot of things you're talking about, like all these buzzwords, mm-hmm. they're very common, especially in East Coast private schools as well. So it's like this is where you have to become parents. I would say you need to become a little bit more particular about understanding what the school is doing and and some of the things that they're trying to implement. Yeah. I mean, so we pulled Bryn. The plan is to pull our boys when they get old enough. And a lot of it has to do with just the, the social situation in the school, essentially. That's a part of it. I think the other thing, too, is I really like being able to customize. And this has been so evident the last couple of weeks as I've worked with Bryn at home here that if we're if she's having time at school and working on things and then coming home and we're spending two hours on her homework, if she's doing it here at home, she instantly can ask me or the teacher, if she's in a live lesson, she'll ask the teacher like a regular class. But a lot of her lessons are not in a live session. And so she has a learning coach, which is me, to answer questions. And I can dig in with her and answer questions. And then like today, we didn't have, she didn't have school at the end of the semester. So we went to the Minnesota History, um, History Center. We'd never been to the museum before. And it was a way of connecting some of the pieces that she's learning about Native culture with Ojibwe and with um, the Dakota and... Um, some of the different tribes in Minnesota, they have this great exhibit going on. So it's like we could then take that alive there. It was just her and I, and it was a great, you know, so it is a a benefit that we have by doing that. Is that going to work for everybody? No. And that's that's okay. But some kids are really thriving. Like we talk about, you said you're, we're going to pull our boys. There might be a situation where one of our boys, or if not both of our boys, that they might need to stay in public school or might need to stay in a social or setting because of their personalities. And I'm not opposed to that. I really love, and I've loved that since I started in public education, school choice I think is huge. And I, I'm a huge advocate for really being able to put your kid where they're going to thrive. Yeah. I think we're, we're already trying to do these other social aspects or uh, social events that we can include the boys in. So 
we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm not expecting that our strategies will change from Bryn, actually. Based on the success we're seeing, probably not. But the other piece is, let's say over the next year and a half, uh, it all falls apart. Maybe the school falls apart, or maybe her ability to process whatever. I, I like that we live in a setting that we could easily push her back in somewhere or find a different setting for her to thrive in. That's the one benefit of today's culture is that we can find a way to school her. There isn't just a, if she doesn't go to the local middle school, she has no, you know, she won't get an education. So we, as much as we're going to complain about education or talk about it, I think that that's probably the biggest blessing we have in our generation is our kids have so many opportunities and we need to be grateful for that. You're just going to nod your head. I have nothing else to say on this topic. (laughs) I mean, you could go down the whole rabbit hole of colleges and, you know, colleges are not worth it unless you know specifically what you're trying to do. Yeah. You know, like... um, We've had that conversation. Like, it's one thing if you're going for a technical degree, Mm -hmm. engineering, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, But there's some some that we call, I call it degree inflation, where... A bachelor's degree used to be enough, and now you need a master's, and in some cases you need a doctorate. Nope. For some, for and I could list specific people that I'm talking about, but it's just like, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities, especially for our boys. I feel to not necessarily have to do the the university route. Yeah. So we'll have to see. It, it, we're willing to support them, kind of whatever we're going to decide. The only thing I think we both agree on is that. You're not going to college without a plan. Right. 100%. And if that means a gap year or two doing something else for experience, exposure, life, whatever, we're totally we're totally on board to help get them on their feet for that too. And yeah, for all support kids, them 100% for during all that kids, time. But, for all our kids, I wouldn't mind right. them taking a year and, I don't know, do manufacturing for a year. Or 100%. Do something um, that, I don't want you to just go and think, hey, I think this one, uh, sociology would be great. Because, you know, that's... While it's fine as a degree, you know, you're kind of limiting your potential options for the future right. by just jumping to that. Yeah. I think they will, we'll get to that point with them. I'm not too stressed about college or any of those pieces. But so as I indicated earlier, you get to be the first editor. So you get to be the first listener to all these conversations and stories. Right. What do you think so far? So you've listened to the first three. Yeah, I'm actually not all the way up to date simply because I, you were... I had one that was more important for me on my list. That uh-huh, it's first. okay. It's okay. Like I said, we are avid podcast listeners, so I get it. But it mine's four, not the most important. It was a four and a half hour podcast that I had to get through first. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but uh, the deal was is, um, I listened to uh, all three of the first ones that you had out that are currently available. that are currently published. Yep. Yep. And uh, it, it's kind of is interesting to hear some of that stuff. I know that you were worried a little bit about content, but I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just allowing people to tell their stories, it can be very interesting. I know like with Tasha's, you know, I told you that it was like, you're listening, oh, it's an interesting story. Like she does this fantastic thing for a couple. And then like, it's almost like the ball drops in the middle where like, oh, and she almost had massive issues. So if people want the detail, they can go listen to that. But Don't I, want to get away with I mean, I know that it wasn't even intentional that you put in kind of like a twist to your podcast, but that's the type of thing that can happen if you're just, you know, freeforming it. Yeah. Well, and that was, I, I know when I started too, it was like, it's very easy to have a conversation with people, but to help drive it and to help make sure that things are clarified. What I've been noticing that I've been doing lately is 
I fill in the gaps in my own brain of conversations that we've had or that I know about you, but that doesn't mean the person who's listening knows. And so I've been trying to be better about filling in those gaps. Yeah, be the host. Yeah. <laughs> so right. that's that's a new thing I'm doing. Well, I mean, working on there's it. all kinds of conversations we could have that we'd find hilarious because of the inner jokes or you know inside oh, jokes sure. or whatever. But you don't want to leave people in the dark too for what you're talking about. Yeah. I think one of the things I need to do at some point, um, one of the, this is a behind the scenes little look into the podcast. Before a guest comes, I, you know, I get the room set up and the library's all nice and neat and the candles going and whatever. But um, I always have our daughter, Bryn, comes down and I have her do some mic checks with me to make sure the sound sounds good and it's clean and all that. I really should start keeping those because <laughs> they can be quite funny. <laughs> Bryn's graduating. We're at her wedding potentially. And all of a sudden... <laughs> Hello? Check. One, two. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was asking her about, because um, I just, the same thing when you and I started, I was like, okay, I just need you to talk. And it's like, uh, all right. So then I'll ask her a question. So I was trying to find more silly questions that every time we sit down. So I was asking her about something about, would you wear earrings if they were in the shape of hamburgers? Because she had pineapple ones on or something. And so then we ended up having a conversation about that. So I think those would be fun to kind of <laughs> keep track of, or at least have. Yeah. Overall, I think it's going well, and I'm happy that people have been um, receptive uh, to A, be here to talk, and then B, um, we've had some positive feedback from listeners, so I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I mean, the the deal is just to have fun with it and not worry too much about, you know, if the content is working for people or not. It's just more of, uh, do you enjoy it? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sitting down with me. We're going to make this a... Weekly or bi-weekly little bonus. Sure. All right. Bye, dear. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You have to admit, he did a good job. I'm pretty proud of him. And I really just appreciated having somebody to process all of this craziness with starting this podcast and just basically doing this thing called life. All right. Regular scheduled programming. We'll be back on Thursday. Maybe another bonus episode in a couple weeks. Keep an eye out on our social. Remember, you can like and subscribe. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a great week, everybody.